Welcome to Stir Crazy Week 2. My name is Chris Bell, lead pastor here at Three Circle Church. And wherever you are joining us today, uh, we are so honored that you'd spend some time with us. So here in the Stir Crazy series, we're spending some time in the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians is known as an epistle, and it's also known as a prison epistle. It's when the Apostle Paul wrote letters, which are epistles, from prison to the churches that he loved and that he had planted and started and that he really cared for so much. And we are diving into the book of Philippians. This was a church that was planted in the city of Philippi. It's the first, what we know as modern Europe. It's the first time the gospel went into modern Europe. It's a very important church that Paul loved. He loved these people and they loved him. Now, when you look at the book of Philippians, there's a lot of ways to teach from it. It covers so much ground. It's very rich theologically. It's very rich from a narrative standpoint as well. But we are specifically looking at how Paul handled imprisonment because we know that he wrote the book of Philippians, this beautiful letter, which by the way is known as the joy book of the Bible. Paul wrote this book while he was literally chained 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier. And so this is, this is amazing. It's astounding uh, that Paul was able to do this. So what we're looking at for three weeks is we're going to look at how did Paul handle being stuck in prison, we know for at least two years, without going stir-crazy. Because I think most of us, when we feel boxed in, when we feel stuck in our circumstances, maybe you and I aren't in a physical prison like Paul was, but I bet you have felt trapped. I bet you have felt claustrophobic, if you will, by your circumstances, maybe financially, maybe relationally, maybe with your health. Uh, maybe with the career that you're in or choices that you made. Maybe you have felt trapped and imprisoned in your past and you feel like you can't move forward. We all know what that feels like. So how can we learn as Christians to do it better? How can we avoid going stir-crazy and instead honor God when we feel stuck? Well, the Apostle Paul teaches us that from the book of Philippians. And the thing we've uncovered that we're going to remind you of each week is the fact that the secret, the key that unlocked the door to Paul's success while he was imprisoned is perspective. Paul had biblical perspective. And I can't tell you how important perspective is. Remember, we were talking about the idea of polarized sunglasses. It's one of my favorite pairs made by Mayo, a company in Orange Beach. So these are made on the Gulf Coast, this place where we film uh, and where we have physical camps. I know many of you are joining us from all over the world, but I'm telling you, where our physical campuses is, we think it's the most wonderful place in the world. It's the Gulf Coast. And, uh, and these are awesome sunglasses, and they are polarized. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Because polarized sunglasses use a technology to help you see better, to have more depth of vision, and to have more clarity of vision. And what do polarized lens in uh, sunglasses do? They do this. They block horizontal light while allowing in the vertical light. Now, when we look at Paul's example, and when we looked at it in week one, we saw that Paul could see things that anyone else in his situation would probably not be able to see. Why? Because he had developed the right lens through which to look at life. He had developed a biblical way of having perspective. And his biblical perspective on his predicament, being in prison, being chained to a Roman guard every day, not knowing where his future was going. It was absolutely up in the air. He did not know if he'd be executed eventually or released. He just did not know. With all of that in mind, you would think he'd go negative. You would think he would go, you guessed it, stir crazy. But instead, Paul has this incredible attitude. And in the first week, we learned that one thing his biblical perspective allowed him to do, since he blocked out all the horizontal, since he blocked out all of the possible negative outcomes and all of that, 
and, and he began to listen to the vertical voice in his life. A polarized view, if you will, right? Because of that, Paul was able to see, we learned in week one, that God was using him being stuck in prison to grow the kingdom, to advance the gospel. And we learned that that word advancement in the original language is a military term. When an army's come to town, the advance work is when you go ahead and make sure the roads are clear. There's no obstacles in the way so that the army can march forward. Paul could see because of his viewpoint, his polarized lens, if you will, he could see that God was using him being in prison to open doors for the gospel that would not have been opened any other way. Paul was leading hundreds and hundreds of people to Christ that would have never heard the gospel. Romans. In fact, he told us there at the end uh, of the book that at the end of the letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi, he said, even people in Caesar's household, that's all the way at the top, they are coming to Christ because I am stuck in this prison. So Paul had this incredible, incredible viewpoint. And we're going to learn that, that he continues to have that viewpoint. He's going to see two more things that we're going to learn in the next two weeks. But Paul had a viewpoint that let him see what others maybe could have never seen. And you know, we live in a culture that wants to focus on the horizontal rather than the vertical, right? We want to focus on the negative. In fact, in our culture, it's like we value negativity. We see people who are negative, we see negativity as a sign of wisdom, as a sign of thoughtfulness, as a sign of being smart, being wise. Uh, and we see people who are positive often as being naive or stupid or, or escapism, pie-in-the-sky kind of people. And, and so what I want you to understand is that the Bible's not telling you to be escapist and, and to just act like life isn't hard. We never see Paul act like prison's awesome. What he does do, though, is teach us that even when things are really bad, God is doing lots of really good things, that God can do great things in bad situations. And Paul models this for us. So today we're going to continue to look at how Paul teaches us how to have a new way of looking at our lives, perspective, and the results of that very perspective. Thank you for joining us today as we continue this series called Stir Crazy. So let's look at how Paul's perspective in the book of Philippians helps us. In week one, we began to look at this unique perspective that he had. And he told us in week one to not worry about things, instead to pray about things, to go to God when we feel anxious in our imprisonment, in our circumstances, when we feel stuck. Don't go stir crazy, go to God. We learned that in week one. Well, let's take another look at his perspective, Philippians 1, 3 through 5. It says this, I thank my God. So Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So what do we see here? Another secret to how he kept that proper viewpoint. Another secret to Paul's perspective, we see it right there on the page, is that Paul had gratitude. 
in the middle of all this tough stuff he's going through, he says, I thank my God. And, and, he, and he's serious about it. He, he does it a lot. He says, always. I'm always thanking God in every prayer. And he has a reason to thank God. He's like, I'm stuck in prison. It's not good. The food's not great. The, the situation's horrible. But I'm thankful for you. So, so Paul's telling us that he has, find, he has found ways to stay grateful and remain thankful. Now, as I was kind of thinking about this idea, because I do think gratitude is a secret to joy, I was, I was doing some research, and one of my favorite writers is this guy, uh, Gavin Ortland. He's an incredible writer and incredible theologian. I ran across an article that he wrote. He did such a great job with it. And he quoted another great writer, Ann Voskamp, who said this. This is a line of hers, one of her quotes. She says, Joy does not lead to gratitude, but gratitude leads to joy. Now let me just say that again. It, don't get them mixed up. Joy is the final step, it's not the first step. Joy is a result of gratitude. Gratitude will lead you. Gratitude's the hard work. Joy's the destination. But gratitude is what's hard. Gratitude is what we must fight for. Gratitude will lead you to joy. And that's what we see here. Paul says, I am thankful. How's, how's he joyful in the book of Philippians? Well, he keeps going back to gratitude. He keeps finding ways in whatever situation he's in to be thankful. And in this verse, he says, I'm thankful for all of you Christians in Philippi. I can see your faces. I can hear your voices. I can hear the laughter, the conversations that we've all had. And he says, you know what? I'm grateful for that. I'm in a bad situation. But that gratitude that Paul was able to pull out of the ground, that gratitude leads him to a place of joy. Gavin Ortland, writer and theologian in this article, he said this, he coined a phrase I think is powerful. He calls it intentional gratitude. And I would say to you, all of us joining together today, we need to practice intentional gratitude. Because let me tell you something, we live in a world that pummels us with horizontal distraction, negativity. But the Bible tells us that not to escape all that, but instead to focus on truth. So we're not just hoping for things. We, we, we have truth that we are grabbing onto. And Paul teaches us by example here that our gratitude can lead us to great joy, but we've got to practice it. Paul tells us here, he says, I am always praying and thanking God for you. That is intentional gratitude. It's something he practiced. Gavin Ortland says we need to practice it enough to where it becomes habitual and eventually instinctual. Like it's just what we do. We're just thankful. Like we just look for ways to be thankful. And I'm just telling you, if you're new to this, if you're new to putting on the lens of proper biblical perspective, it is work at first. You will not find this natural. We, apart from Christ, we're not good at this. But if you will lean into this, you can become a person who practices intentional gratitude. I mean, listen, we're all, we all know the phrase, right? You're either going to see the glasses half, half empty or half full. I would say to you, it's, it's actually both. Life, true life, real human life, is a glass that's half full and half empty all the time. And your choice is, are you going to be grateful? And are you going to choose joy by choosing gratitude? Ortland says, the practice of intentional gratitude is a pathway to deep, sustaining joy. And here's another beautiful thing that we see from Paul here. His gratitude, the Roman imprisonment could not stop it. Gratitude is an unstoppable resource that you and I have. No, Watch this. No circumstance can stop you from being grateful. Literally. There's nothing anyone can do to take that away from you. The worst of situations can't take away your gratitude. That's something you have to give away yourself. You're going to have to give that up. It cannot be taken from you. So 
Today, you have the God-given ability to choose gratitude. And I want to say to you, do that. It will lead you to joy. Find the reasons in any situation to be grateful. And I don't think any of us have a situation any worse than Paul's. And Paul said, I got a lot to be grateful for. But he did not just acknowledge that he didn't just tip his hat to things that he was grateful for. He practiced intentional, habitual, instinctual, daily gratitude, and it sustained his joy. Which, when you turn to the end of the letter, chapter 4, verse 4, he says this to the Philippians, and he's practiced this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's almost like he's reminding himself. As he's writing the letter and he's looking around, he's like coming to the end. It's almost like a conversation with these people he loves. He, it's coming to an end. He's about to put a period at the end of that letter. And he looks at him and he says, Always be grateful. Always rejoice. There's always a reason to be grateful. There's always a reason to rejoice. So we see that a huge part of us putting on the right lens to see this world through as Christians, when we feel stuck, is to find reasons to be grateful because gratitude leads to joy. So what we learned is each week we're going to take a look at Paul's perspective, that new viewpoint that we want to get from him, biblical perspective, but it results in something. It resulted in three big things. And in week one, we learned that Paul could see because of his biblical perspective that God was using his imprisonment, his being stuck, he was using it to grow the kingdom. Well, today what we're going to see is that God also used Paul being stuck, and he can use it when you and I are stuck too. He used it to grow believers. Let's take a look at how God uses us being stuck sometimes to grow believers. So Paul, because of those... uh, polarized glasses he was wearing with that biblical lens that he had, he could see uh, that God was using his imprisonment to grow other believers. Let's look at what he had to say in Philippians 1.14. He said, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment... Watch that again. Let's just see that again. Having become confident in the Lord... How are they becoming confident in the Lord? By Paul's imprisonment. He says, They are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is an astounding verse. So last week we learned that Paul could see that God was using his imprisonment to introduce the guards and the prison workers and the Romans and all the way up to Caesar's household. They were all hearing about Jesus and the message of the gospel because of Paul's imprisonment. But that's not all he could see. That that was number one. Number two, he can see now that also God is using his imprisonment to strengthen people who are already believers in Christ in the churches. Because all of these churches that Paul had planted and he's writing these letters to, they know he's in prison and they're sitting back watching him in prison and his example and God's faithfulness to Paul. Because the hero of the story is not Paul. The hero of the story is God who is faithful, who is sustaining Paul, who is using Paul. And and what, what we see here is that other believers are growing stronger in their faith by watching Paul in his time of persecution and in his time in prison is pretty amazing. What we see here is something important about perspective. Perspective is powerful. It is also contagious. Godly perspective is contagious. But but I just want you to know, perspective is contagious in general. Not just good perspective. Paul's perspective that he has, uh, he is showing it to others and it's becoming contagious for the churches. They're starting to see life through that same lens. They're starting to rejoice at all times. They're starting to be grateful even though they're under persecution and the church is just exploding. But let me warn you today, 
bad perspective is just as contagious. It's just as contagious. If Paul would have gone into that prison, and if in prison he would have been negative, if he would have whined and complained all the time about his hardship, about how hard it was, if he would have written all these letters begging for them to figure out a way to get him out, and, and complaining about the situation, and, and bemoaning the fact that God would let something like this happen, if, if he would have done that, that would have been contagious too. And that would have spread like wildfire throughout the churches. You and I need to understand as Christians, God has given us uh, the, 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 the power to set the thermostat often of people's perspectives. So the question is, can people see you and I in our godly perspective? You know, when I think about good perspective and bad perspective and how powerful it can be, I think about working out in a yard and using either fertilizer or Roundup. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been working in your yard and you knew there were some areas of weeds and stuff like that that you just needed to kill? Well, you use Roundup for that. This stuff is deadly, right? You spray it there and a couple days later, you don't see the effect immediately. You spray it on there and you're like, huh, wonder if it'll work. Two or three days, days later, you go out and I mean everything's dead. I'm talking the dirt is dead, right? Anything in the dirt is dead and if you get near it, you may be dead too. Roundup, powerful stuff. But you know what? You can take fertilizer and put it on already existing things and they grow stronger and they grow more vibrant. Paul obviously didn't save any of these Christians that he's writing to. That was a work of the Holy Spirit, a sovereign work of God. But what Paul is doing is he's allowing his circumstances and the way he handles his circumstances, he's allowing that to become fertilizer that God is pouring over the, the believers across the entire region. As they hear about Paul, it's like fertilizer growing them. And i got a question for you today. In your family, in your community where you have influence, are you fertilizer or are you Roundup? Does your perspective on things because of your negativity and because you, you, you only see obstacles, you never see opportunities, does it kill people's joy? Does it kill their good outlook? Or are you a person that any environment you're in, like Paul in prison, do you have a fertilizer mentality where you go, you know what? Not only am I going to have a good way of looking at things, I'm going to be contagious in that. I'm going to help others see the opportunities as well. This is so very important for us to understand. You see what we have here? is we have Paul allowing God to turn his prison into a platform. Last week we saw that God grew the kingdom through him being in prison, meaning that God turned first his prison into a mission field. But now God is turning Paul's prison into a platform so that he can show the world, here's what it looks like to go through hard times as a Christian. And here's how great our God is. Uh, he, Paul is showing the world how supremely uh, valuable and supremely uh, uh, superior our God is in the way He's reacting to this situation. I found out that this to be true in our lives uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Myself and 12 others from our church got stuck in uh, the Middle East. We were in the Palestine area. We got stuck as, as COVID was taken off all over the world. Literally, we were at the beginning of this thing. We didn't know how long we were going to get stuck there. We were in a hotel that, that had become basically... Uh, a hospital for people with COVID, a really bad situation. We had no idea what was going to happen next, how long we were going to be there. But one thing we realized really fast is that we ended up with a lot of eyes on us. In about a two-day period, I did over 30 interviews online with, with outlets all over the world. Literally, the major news outlets all over the world were running stories about us from Fairhope, Alabama, stuck in this hotel, 
and I got to talk, I got to tell our story and talk about God and Jesus and the gospel over and over and over again. You know what we found out while we were in Israel, while we were in Palestine? We found out during that time that God actually used our circumstances as a platform for us to talk about Him and show the world who our God was. And, and He was faithful. He rescued us. He, he got us home. And again, we were able to use that as a platform. So let me ask you something today. What if God wants to use whatever you're stuck in right now that you just think He can't use? What if He wants to use it as a platform? If you are struggling with your past and you think your past mistakes are a prison that you're in now, what if God wants to use that as a platform to show the world His grace in your life? What if your relationship you're in now, you're in one that feels like it's, in a, it's a prison. What if God wants to bring it back to life and do a mighty, miraculous work in that relationship to platform for the world His ability to do the impossible? Now, see, it's all in how you look at your situations that you're in. And it just might be that God has chosen to allow you to be stuck in whatever you're in right now to use it to grow other believers. I have seen that happen. Let's, let's look at another place where Paul talked about this in Philippians 1, 22-26. It says this, he says, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. He's talking about if, I, if they're not going to kill me, if they're not going to execute me while I'm in here, that'll mean fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. So Paul says, if I, if, if I had a choice between them executing me and me going to heaven and being with Jesus or me staying here, he says, I, I would have a hard time choosing. Now watch what he says. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. So he admits he's ready to be with Jesus, but there's a big but here, verse 24. But to remain in the flesh, watch this, is more necessary on your account. And he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And Paul is, is letting you in on another way he views life in his circumstances. He says, I need to stay alive if God will allow me to for your account. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your... Here's, here's why. Not so he'll be comfortable. Not so he can break out of prison. Not so he can have a comfortable life. He believes God's going to rescue him for their progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause. There it is. So in watching me, Paul says, in watching me go through prison, in watching me go through hardship, you will have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I love this. And again, we're just getting more and more depth. Man, we're getting a really good look at how Paul saw the world. It is powerful and it's God-given, supernatural at this stage of the game that Paul can see like this. And I'm going to be honest with you. All of you joining us today. I don't always see things the way Paul sees things. I don't know about you, I can go really negative. I wasn't always super happy about being stuck in Palestine when we were there a year ago on that trip. And we didn't know what was going on. I didn't like that. I didn't handle it as well as Paul uh, does here. But this is, listen, this is aspirational for us. As we look at Paul, we should all want to see the world the way Paul does. Uh, Paul, in these verses we just read, he is telling us that he has decided in his life that it's simply not about him. That's why God can use him to strengthen other believers because he has abandoned the fact that life is about him. He gave that up a long time ago. It's not about Paul anymore. It's about the other churches, the other believers. He seeks the kingdom of God first. That's why it's so important. Listen, Paul had a kingdom first 
perspective and a kingdom first mentality. A long time ago in his life, he had died to the fact that life would be about him. He gave that up. And now he makes it all about the kingdom. And when you make it all about Jesus, you end up loving others. Paul's life is all about God and others. And let me tell you something. If you want to be round up in your perspective and and kill everything around you, then make it all about you. A selfish me-first mentality is a deadly mentality. It's like Roundup. But if you want to be fertilizer, if you want to bring life to every situation you're in, if you want to bring life to every problem you step into, including your own home, including your own friendships, including your church, if you want to be that person, it's going to require that you lay yourself down and you become God-focused and kingdom-first in your mentality. Paul had gotten to the point where he was looking through the lens of God and others. It just was not about Him. Now, let's look at one more place in Philippians where Paul helps us flesh out this idea of having a perspective that God can use our hardships and when we feel stuck, He can keep us uh, from, from losing it and instead using it for His glory. See, all of us have a choice. We're either going to go stir crazy or we're going to let God do great things in and through us. Paul made the choice to not go stir crazy while he was in prison, but to trust God and let God turn his prison into a platform. Let's look at one more place. He talks about that right now. So let's look at one more place in Philippians where Paul talks about this very thing. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's take a look at what Paul's talking about right now. So what we see here uh, in this last little section that we're talking about this week, where we learn that through Paul's perspective, he can see that God's trying to use him to grow other believers, is that Paul wants these believers in Philippi and, and through the power of the Word of God, you and I today in modern uh, in modern world, modern church, modern Christianity, he wants us to put on the same glasses he's been using. Now, I told you in week one, a few years ago, I got to go fly fishing out west with some friends, and, uh, and, and we were told to use polarized glasses while we were fly fishing. Because if you don't have polarized glasses, you can't see the fish coming up from the bottom of these rivers to hit your fly that's on top of the water. With polarized glasses, you can see the fish coming, and that's important because then you know when to pull on the line and when to catch the fish. Well, a couple of years later, the the same people that took me fishing invited my wife to go as well. So we go on this fishing trip, and guess what I I had to do? I I went and bought my wife a pair of, you guessed it, polarized sunglasses. Why? Because I didn't want to just go, hey, I knew the trick now. I knew that I needed them, but I wanted my, watch this, I wanted my wife to experience what I had experienced. I didn't want my wife Nan to miss one moment of experiencing what I had experienced fishing those rivers. 
She had never fly fished before. By the way, she's, she ended up being way better at it than I am. She was awesome, caught the biggest fish on the trip. But you know what she needed? She needed someone to say to her like someone had done for me, hey, you need polarized sunglasses to see those fish coming. So I bought her a pair and she put them on and guess what? She could see the fish coming. And it brought me great joy to watch my wife have the full experience. Why? Because she had the proper lens. She had the proper viewpoint. And what Paul is saying here is he wanted to be able to give to those other Christians. And, and guys, listen to me. All of you join us. The Apostle Paul wants you. God wants you to have that same viewpoint because you're going to miss so much if you don't have a biblical perspective. You're going to miss it. You're going to get stuck. Life is full of getting stuck. Life is full of starts and stops. If you live this life long, you're going to face tough stuff. You're going to hit the mud hole sooner or later. You're going to hit the quicksand. You're going to get bogged down. And when that happens, you're going to have to decide how you're going to view it and what your perspective will be. And the Apostle Paul is sitting here saying that he wanted these Philippian believers, and you and I, even though he's stuck in prison, he's saying, I want you to learn to see it the way I see it. He tells them, I want you to start rejoicing. I want you, just like me, in the last verse, 18, he says, likewise, you also should learn to rejoice. He says something else here that's awesome. He says, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does he mean by that? Again, this is Paul wanting us to have the perspective he did. So that word, work out, in the original Greek language is the idea of people working in a mine. So in those days, the people who would work in the mine, watch this, they weren't, they weren't going under the ground to make something that wasn't already there. So they did not manufacture silver and gold and other things that they would find. What they would do is they would work out of the ground, right, something that was already there. So when you read this verse, understand the Bible is clear. You and I can't save ourselves. We have no part in our salvation. It's a holy, sovereign work of God and the Holy Spirit. So when Paul says we should work out our salvation, he's not saying that we work for our salvation. He's saying that we must work out, according to David Jeremiah, a great theologian, he said it like this, we must work out what God has already worked in to us. So all, Paul's talking to Christians here, and he's assuming that you and I, when we read this, we are Christians. And he's saying, if you're a Christian, God has done something in you that you now must work out. You can't save yourself. You can't make yourself any more saved than you are, any less saved than you are. But what you can do is you can practice obedience. You can practice proper perspective. You can practice gratitude and joy. These are things you can practice. That's what he means when he says, get serious. Fear and trembling means you're serious about it. You're not going to wing the Christian life. You're going to, you know what, take it seriously. And you're going to say, hey, I am going to practice a different viewpoint, a different way of living, a different way of looking at my situations that come into my life. And we're going to use the Apostle Paul as an example because it doesn't get much worse than what he was dealing with. And Paul says, all of us as Christians should work out like a miner would. We should work out what God has already put in. We work out what God has already put inside of us. So very important for us to understand. Again, this is the same word that they would have used for miners. Miners pulling those things up out of the ground. They didn't put them in the ground. It was already there. God created it but they had to go down and bring it up. Now you and I have things that God has put inside of us when He saved us that, that need to be worked out. 
And how we do it is we practice our faith. We practice gratitude. We practice joy. Listen, we practice proper perspective. So today, what I would say to you is that God wants us and will even put us in situations where we have an opportunity to work out what He's already worked in. To show the world on a platform that we believe in Him, that He is great and faithful. And so once again, in week two, I would ask you today, are you willing to let God use your example to grow the the faith of your spouse, the faith of your kids, the faith of your brothers and sisters in your church community, the faith of your friends and, and your small group, the faith of the people in your workplace? Are you willing to let God not just use you and your circumstances to reach new people for Christ, but also are you willing to let Him use your circumstances to strengthen those who are already in Christ? We pray for the grace to do that for all of us and all of our lives. And we pray uh, that we would be able to let God turn our prisons into platforms like He did for the Apostle Paul. Be blessed.